Hi friends, this is Connie Alpers and I want to welcome you back to Equip to Be, where I get to help you embrace and navigate the seasons of life so you can reach your personal family and parenting goals. We at Equip to Be want you to understand how God has given you unique gifts, strengths, and talents so that you can live in all seasons with confidence and joy. Whether you're cooking dinner, holding laundry, or maybe just enjoying some time alone. I hope you enjoy this episode of Equipped to Be. Hi, friends. This is Connie Albers. We are doing something new on the podcast today. I get a lot of requests about teenagers and tweens, and and obviously because I wrote a book about parenting beyond the rules, but we have decided to pull from the archives one of our very popular episodes about teens and why they don't talk or getting them to listen. And so this episode is why teen girls don't talk to mom. I think you're going to enjoy this episode because it's really applicable to understand what's going on with teens and what they're thinking and how they would love to be able to talk to you about their struggles. But what keeps them from opening up? and sharing what's on their heart. My guest Jackie and I discuss what she has learned from her years of working with teens in public and private and really all types of assemblies. And so we're going to dive in. Uh, We have all been through so much and the strains on families are increasingly difficult. There's so much tug and pull. So stick around. I know you're going to enjoy my conversation with Jackie Bruton on why teens, why they don't talk to their moms or their parents. You know, Jackie just loves the Lord and she loves, she loves equipping your kids. And she, like I said, she does it all over. But the one thing we kept talking about was listening, right? Um, Jackie, I had said to you, and as I was writing Parenting Beyond the Rules, that book came out of the fact that I had been listening to these kids talk about, I just wish I could talk to my mom, or my mom and dad don't listen, or I just, I need somebody to talk to. And when, when I said that to Jackie, you immediately started talking. So let's pick up our conversation that we started on, what are the kids saying to you? So um, this is what we talked about yesterday. I started doing, um, when I'm in the classroom, and I'll just, for the, for the listeners, I go into middle schools and I only talk to girls because I have a male counterpart who talks to the guys. And then when I do high schools, I do co-ed classes. So this particular conversation happened in the middle school class with eighth grade girls. And um, they would always tell me about how they couldn't talk to their mom. They couldn't talk to their mom. And so I, I started asking them questions about, so what, what, why is it that you can't talk to your mom? And, or what will you do differently when you have a child? And one of the things they said, this was a really interesting day, is they said, when I have a kid, I am going to listen without interrupting. And every time they say that, I know there's a backstory. I mean, Mm. whatever they, whatever their answer is, I know there's a backstory. So (laughs) I'm like, tell me more. And so this one young lady said, every time I'm trying to talk to my mom, she won't let me finish with what I'm trying to say, because she keeps interrupting and she tries to respond before I finish making my point. And so when she said that, another girl in the class said, yeah, and then she's always trying to fix my problems. Like I can't even tell her what the problem is before she's already 
you know, told me, well, this is what you need to do and you need to do that. And you, she's like, maybe if you let me finish telling you what the problem is, what you're telling me to do might not be the answer. And so ironically, at the end of that class, a teacher came up to me who had been sitting in the room mm-hmm. and she said, what those girls said just convicted me. Wow. And she said, I do, I do that with my son. She said, my son is a senior in high school. And she said, I know why we do it as parents. She said, because we're just a mama bear. Mm. And, and we just, we want to save them from having to go through anything. And she said, so my son can start something mm-hmm. and I can tell right away, this is what you need to do. And you need to do that. <laughs> and you need to do that. And she said, I got so convicted here in those girls. So the next day she came back to school and she said, you're not going to believe this. And I said, what? She said, I went home last night and I apologized to my son. Mm. She said, I told my son about the conversation that we had in the classroom and what these girls said. And she said, I told him, I do that to you all the time and I'm sorry. And she said, my son hugged me and kissed me and said, thank you. And she said, when I tell you what that, that melted my heart because my son never kisses me and hugs me. She's like, I've been longing for the day. Jackie. To get my son to hug and kiss me. And it was all because she apologized. Yeah. That's another thing that kids say. If parents don't understand, they never admit when they're wrong. Mm. And they could get a lot of points. So they say, because parents aren't always right either. Right. But even when they realize they're wrong, like they never come back and acknowledge that they're wrong. Yeah. You know, I, I want to go on that topic. Before I, I hit on that, because I think admitting that you're wrong um, you know, there is something, I don't think you even read this in my book, but I actually started one of my chapters with my daughter. I was trying to reach her. She was like 15, 16 years old. And I was trying, trying, trying. And I just couldn't get anywhere. And all of a sudden, we were in the car and I was telling her, uh, she was telling me something. And I did exactly what that teacher did. You know, I just... I was going to help fix her problem because that's what mothers do. We fix, we, we put band-aids on boo-boos, we hug and cuddle when somebody's hurt and we fix problems. We're just three steps and this is how you do it. And Mm -hmm. we were in the car and she yelled at me. Now that's not common. So she yelled at me. She's like, stop interrupting me. I'm like, what? I was so caught off guard. It was completely out of character. And she said, you always interrupt me when I'm talking. I said, I'm not interrupting. We're having a conversation. She goes, no, we're not having a conversation. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, you know, that was a game changer in my parenting. And it was so profound. Like I said, it ended up in a story in the book. But parents often feel that if they say, I'm sorry, or they admit they're wrong, their kids are somehow going to get the upper hand. That, that, that in their kids' view, they're going to be viewed as weak or easy right. to control. And I would, prob- I would love to hear what you tell kids when they share that with you, because what I tell parents is this isn't about control. It's not about fixing their problems. It's about building a relationship so that your kids want to come and talk to you because your kids are smart. They can solve those problems. They've been living with you their, you know, probably their whole life. Um, and you've taught them, you've taught them reasoning skills. They already know what you think, what you feel, what you believe about a, a situation. So when they come to you, really, they're just kind of externally processing it. And they just need an ear. Some kids just need an ear to hear. But Jackie, what do you tell uh, kids when they say that to you. I, you know, my mom always interrupts me. Uh, 
what what have you found that has been the most effective? Yeah, and, and let me just say, I absolutely agree with you that having a parent apologize does not make them weak. And it it shows the kids, or at least this is what they tell me, mm-hmm. it, it allows the kids to see their parent as human. Yeah. And so one of the things they say is parents sometimes act like they're perfect and they never make mistakes. And so... I, and I'm not saying parents need to go and, and tell all of their, you know, <laughs> here are all my weaknesses and here are all my flaws and yeah. all this, just it, you know, but it's just, and I think for kids, like they just want to be treated like a person. And and I think that sometimes where, where we miss it is they are still a person. So, um, so when kids, you know, say that their parents won't listen, now one of the things I always tell them is I say, y'all, you don't come with a manual. <laughs> <laughs> I said, and so I try to get them to understand that parents are oftentimes like doing the best that they can. And whenever they tell me all of these things that when I have kids, I'm going to do this. And when I have kids, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. And I say, do you realize that when your parent was a teenager, they probably said some of these same things? <laughs> You're so right. <laughs> no, I, I said, it, it's easy for you to have this perspective when you're on this side of the mm-hmm. table. And I said, but when you're on the other side, number one, you're going to have a different perspective because, and we always go through this, your brain's not fully developed and you can't always see danger. And, you know, and that's such, they don't, they, that's just such a, you know, a a epiphany for them. Like, oh my goodness. I'm like, yeah, your brain is not developed and your parent is. And I said, but the crazy thing is you ask your friends for advice and their brains aren't any more developed than yours. Isn't that true? (laughs) I'm so glad you say that. (laughs) Oh my God, how crazy is that? (laughs) <laughs> oh my word, it is so true. I I think about even today. Now, you know, the how I parented my first kid and how I parented number 5 was very different. You learn as you go what to what to major on. You you learn that child, which is another step in the process is, you know, knowing the child that you have and parenting that specific child and not the child you wished you had or, you know, your best friend's kids. Um, you have yours and they're uniquely gifted and, and given to you to teach and train in the way they should go. And when you're talking with these kids, kind of going back to the things that these kids really would like to tell their parents, what, what are some of the top or reoccurring comments that they say, man, I just wish I could tell this to my parents. Is it about uh, relationships? Is it about insecurities? What is it? Oh, there's, there's so many. And and I keep saying this is going to be a book one day. I got home one day and, and I had all of these reasons. And sometimes, I mean, I can't, I have to stop while they're talking and say, let me jot this down because they're <laughs> coming at me so fast. But I'm like, I'll never remember these. And I feel like, wow, I am sitting on a gold mine based on what these kids are saying yeah. because they are, and they're just, and one says it and then three more will agree to it. But another thing that they talk about is spending, they want their parents to spend time with them. Parents mm. don't understand that. And um, that they also will not downplay their child's feelings just because they're teens. I hear that a lot. That parents feel like because we're teens, we don't have anything to be stressed out about. And they said they always will throw up when I was a kid. <laughs> hey, we were never going to be able to use that again because when I was a kid, your kids are going to be like, when I was a kid, I had to go through COVID. You have no idea what that right, was like. Right. 
you think you got it bad now. Try being stuck in your house for two and a half months or however long that lasted. Um, or is still yeah. lasting in some states as you listen to this. But yeah, you're right. Um, I, I wrote down what you said because I think that's so important. Uh, well, two things. So we can come back to them. But you mentioned they want to spend time with their kids. I mean, they want to spend time with their families. What, do you, what are they wanting to do? Are they wanting just to go shopping or, you know, do they, what do they, what do they want? Well, I think it's, it, it doesn't even have to be anything major. And I think mm-hmm. that's where a lot of parents um, kind of get it wrong because if they either can't afford to do anything, they think that they want me to take them to, you know, a shopping Disney World. <laughs> they want me to do something that costs a whole lot. Yeah. And a lot of times it is just, sitting and watching a movie together Mm. or something as simple as just going outside, you know, and, and throwing frisbees. And, and I think parents have, because of all the, and I get it with the technology and the video games and the kids stay in their rooms and they're on their phones. And, but a lot of times all it takes is that simple, like, let's do this or ask the, ask the child, what is it you want to do? Set up a date where you say, okay, every Friday night, and I remember when I was growing up, and I'm the youngest of 10, but I absolutely love, Friday night was a grocery shopping night, and I absolutely love going with my mom to the grocery store on Friday night. Like, I looked forward to, it was a ritual. Yeah. That something that I knew on Friday night, you know, we were going to go to the grocery store. And I think simple things like this, because if you think about it, and, and Connie, you know, like in our generation, mm-hmm. we, we talk about our memories so fondly about mm-hmm. those traditions that we had. And what I think is so unfortunate for kids today is that oftentimes parents aren't always establishing traditions mm-hmm. because what you do today will be your kids' memories tomorrow oh, and 20 God. years from now and 30 years from now and 40 years from now. And so you, you, the parents can't just look at what we're doing now. You have to look at, we are making memories. Yes. And these are going to be these our children's memories about what their childhood was like. It's their stories. It's every every chapter, every season of their life, the, the younger years and the middle years and the high school years are, you are, you're creating defining moments, as I call it. And I think we have to be intentional. I love how you said, go in the grocery store with your mom. Mine was my mother. We were extremely. My parents got a divorce when I was young, and it was it was rough. Uh, the about really honestly, the only thing we could afford, she would surprise me, and we would go to Dunkin' Donuts in the, at night to get <laughs> soup, and that was our date. And and you know, of course, as a teenager, I didn't appreciate that at the time. I thought I was I was kind of lame, but now I look at it and I realize what she did, and so. Oftentimes, you don't, your kids may not appreciate the going to the grocery store. You know, I'm not, maybe you loved it every time, Jackie, but maybe you didn't. Maybe your kids won't be all, mommy, this is so wonderful. There might be some times they whine and moan and complain and you're like, come on anyway, we're going anyway. You're, you're helping them learn the value of spending time together. You're telling them that I want to spend time with you, even if you don't want to, if you're going to be crabby or you're going to complain uh, we're still going to do this. Um, and it, over time, all of my kids have looked back and, and given different references to things that we did that, you know, they weren't always happy about. 
uh, like cleaning the house day. I would have a clean house day. Now, I can guarantee you they weren't really happy about it all the time. But now they all have a clean house day. They grow up and they remember that stuff. So I love that. And I will tell you as well that sometimes what teens, and they told me this, they want to see how bad the parent wants it and how how hard they're willing to fight for it. Oh, unpack that a little bit. I think that's really good. It's so crazy how kids in their mind sometimes like determine, is this really valuable? Are they really just doing this because they're my mom? Mm. Or is it that they really enjoy my company enough that mm-hmm. they want to spend time with me? Mm. And, and I don't think parents always get that sometimes even when they push back, what they're saying and what they really want is, is they're two different things. And so if, if you fight for it, they know I can treat her like whatever I can say this to her, but she's not giving up on me. Mm. Like she's still going to do it. And that shows how much you value them, that you value them enough to fight for their time. And it's not just, okay, you said you didn't want to go, then we're not going to go. And in their head, some of them are saying, well, you probably didn't want to go anyway. You were just doing it because you, you know. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's the conversations (laughs) we have, right? I remember you and I were talking about this um, the other day and it was about this child. I think it was a girl because you primarily speak with women, like you said, uh, young girls. Uh, I remember you saying uh, this one girl was like her mom would always say, so how was your day? Fine. Did you have did anything happen? No. And the, inside the girl, you know, really wasn't communicating much with her mother. And then her mom just kind of gets frustrated and stuff. But you said something the other day when we were talking that I thought, yep, that just that nails it. And that is. Our kids want to know. They, they want us to ask them. They don't want to have to, like, if there's really trouble going on right. inside of them, they want us to notice it and to ask about it and share that story. Because I thought, man, that was a, that was a great uh, thing that that young girl told you. Yeah, she said, uh, when I have a daughter, I am going to... Um, ask her if she's okay. Mm-hmm. So of course, I go, okay, so what, what? why do you say that? And she said, I smile all the time and I laugh and I go to my room and I cry myself to sleep almost every night and my mother doesn't have a clue. And she said, because I'm not okay. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and so for me, like that is just so confusing to me because I'm thinking, well, why don't you just tell your mom that you're not okay? And she's like, she never asked. And mm. she said, what am I supposed to do? Go up to her and say, hey, mom, your little girl's not okay. <laughs> and she's like, and I'm thinking, yeah, <laughs> like, that's what you do. <laughs> like, in my mind, as an adult with a with fully developed brain, I'm thinking, well, yeah, that is what you do. And she's like, no, if she would ask me if I was okay, I would share with her, but she never asked because she sees me laughing and smiling all the time. She and the know. other girl in the class said, I am going to, um, I'm not just going to take what they say. Like, I'm going to look for clues and signs to see if my daughter is okay. Because it, it baffles me. But they, the, they want their parents to, like, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, to, like, dive into and not just take their word for what they're saying or to ask questions and not just assume that, 
my daughter is okay because she's smiling all the time. Or that, she, yeah, that she's just going to, if something's really troubling her, she's going to come, be, she's going to come talk to me because we have this awesome relationship. We laugh and we play all the time. There is a point that that is true. Um, and I know many of you are listening because I, the opposite is what I, I often hear. Um, and, you know, when I was working with teens all those years, uh, I was writing this stuff down. So I, Jackie, I encourage you start putting together that journal and that notebook because it's invaluable. But I hear the opposite. Parents will say, I can't get my teen to talk to me. So what we really have is mom or dad not knowing exactly how to get, you know, their child to open up and share what's really going on in their heart. And then you have a child who is either very sensitive to a parent's busyness um, or that they uh, have so much on their plate, they don't want to burden them, they don't want to make them worried, or they're afraid that mom and dad's going to overreact. Because if I share too much, I yeah. actually might get grounded, or I'll get my phone taken away, or, you know, I'm never going to be allowed to have that group of friends or whatever it, you know, that topic is. And so when when I hear that, we have two different things going on. Now, y'all heard Jackie say, this is, this is what kids are saying. And I'm telling you what parents are saying. They both want to talk to each other. How do we get them to that point? My suggestion for moms is you ask the right questions. You think, well, what are the right questions? I just need the magic questions. Well, usually, if you want to get your child really talking, start asking about their friends. How did your friend do on a test? Did your, did your best friend have any interesting things happen to her today at school? All of a sudden, when you show interest in something besides your deep-seated feelings, they're just general questions, you're saying to them, wait a minute, you know about my friend? Yeah, I care about your friend. You know, they've been over here at the house before. I, I know they mean a lot to you because we bought a birthday present for them. They start telling you what's going on with their friends. And I say to mom and dad, don't discount that because sometimes the things that they're sharing with you that their friends are going through are peaks into their own personal struggles or insecurity sometimes. If somebody is getting picked on or bullied, if someone is not feeling pretty or valued or they feel stupid or they feel like they're not measuring up or they're having uh, other conflicts going on, if they start talking about what they're facing and then you can say, what are they struggling with right now? Your kids feel safe telling you about their friends because it's not them and you can't get on their friends. I absolutely love that, Connie. I, I, and I, I, even with, even with kids about their behavior, so I had a parent who, had, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not condoning this, but mm-hmm. he had gone through his daughter's journal, uh, diary mm-hmm. <laughs> and he found some stuff in the diary mm-hmm. that really concerned him about things she had been doing like sexually. And I'm not, I mean, not, yeah. she wasn't having sex, but pictures and, and conversation and so he knew I had written this book. And so he called and said, how can I come and um, get this book? I'm desperate. Like, I need my daughter. And so he goes back. They get the book. And they had, uh, to every night, they were going to read a chapter together. She mm-hmm. would read. He would read. He said, after the second chapter, like, she was initiating the discussions every evening. Mm. And he called me after three weeks. And he said, do you know what your book did? Your book allowed me to address every issue that I had with my daughter without ever mentioning her. 
Yeah, right? It's like a shield and they feel somewhat safe. It's a false sense because you know something they don't know, but they're not being, you're respecting them. You're kind of helping them through something without a direct full confrontation, which they don't, they don't want. And, and actually you don't really want uh, to have because they may not be ready for that. You know, Jackie, when we talk about the kids wanting to share, I would love to hear what you tell uh, students that you're speaking with when they say, I just wish they would listen or I wish they would ask. Um, what, what, do you, what suggestions do you give to them? So I'm a big proponent of writing letters. Mm. And I always tell people, I, I never say that a letter should replace direct one-on-one communication, but especially when there's something that they really want them to know, but they're afraid to tell them. Mm-hmm. Um, I always say, pour your heart out to them in a letter because then you don't have to worry about them interrupting. You get to make your full case. You get to say everything. And I always tell them, never make your letter confrontational. If you have a problem with them, always make it about you just sharing your heart. And I actually say the same thing for for parents as well. Mm -hmm. I think it works both ways for parents to write their, their children letters, but for the, the children to write their parents letters. And it's funny because I've been getting a lot of, um, messages on Instagram um, mm-hmm. from students. And I got one from this young lady. She lived in California and she saw a video I had on YouTube and she wanted to change sports. She's like, I've been doing this one sport for five years and my parents want me to speak with this sport, but I hate it. I'm not, I don't like it, but they won't let me change sports. And she's like, every time I try to talk to them, they always shut me down and they always do this. And so I said to her, I said, write them a letter mm-hmm. and just pour your heart out. Tell them in a letter. And what broke my heart was she said, because I said, let me know how it goes. And she said, if I ever get up enough courage to do it, I will. And I'm thinking well, that there's something wrong that she doesn't even have feel like she can even communicate via a letter. Mm-hmm. Because most girls will say, I love that. I'm going to write this letter. I've had moms who've written a letter and came back and said, wow, this really helped. But that's what I always uh, kind of resort to is if you don't think they're listening like put it in a letter because then you do get to make your whole point. Yeah, that's good. That's a wise way to do it. Um, Cause then so often they, they're, we get irritated with our teenagers when they don't look in our eyes because we have learned that making eye contact is really important. But when it's something your teen or your tween is struggling with, or, you know, to be honest, even with some of my adult children, if there's something really kind of gnawing at them or really they're struggling through it, oftentimes I find don't insist on eye contact. It can be glances here or there, but don't, don't expect to sit down at the kitchen table and stare at each other in the eyes and they're just going to bear their soul. Some of your kids will do that. I mean, that's great. I have a couple that will do that, but I have three that don't. When they need to have a serious <laughs> conversation, the lights need to be dim because it's bedtime and I they can't see my facial reaction or I can't see how, how uncomfortable it is for them. Or it's in the car where, you know, you better keep your eyes on the road so they know they're safe because you really can't turn to talk to them. <laughs> and that's a big deal. Or you go for a walk or you go for a bike ride. I I think that... When, because you and I are sitting in the same field of where our kids, these kids and this generation, and you know, we know it's a, it's a hot 
mess. I don't like that word, but I really almost can't even think of another word right now of where we are in in our in our society with all that 2020 has brought in. This is, you know, we're already in the first six months and I'm thinking, can we just move to 2021, please? It would just let's just start a new year right. with new planners. But we can't because there are there are lessons for us to learn. There are situations, there are issues for us to talk with our kids and listen to what they're hearing and help them process everything that they're hearing. And which brings me to the point that you had mentioned earlier, Jackie, and that was our kids don't want us to minimize or marginalize. So I'm saying if you're listening to this right now, I really want you to write this down. Don't marginalize your children's feelings. They want to have a voice. They want to feel like they're being heard. And it's so important because they're not a little kid anymore. They're they're moving through the process of child to adult. And for you to equip them to stand and be the person God's made them to be when they are adults, it happens in this time frame. And Jackie, you, you talked about parents, uh, kids just, they don't, they don't want to be placated. They don't want to be uh, soothed. They don't want their feelings to be downplayed. And it just kind of comes to, they don't want to be marginalized. They don't want to be brushed aside as, oh, you're just a kid. You don't really know what it's like to to deal in the real world. They, mom and dad, that's right. They don't know how. So it's your job to equip them. And it starts by doing two things. Your children need to be heard and they've got to be affirmed. Even even if it's silly, right, Jackie? Even if, even if it's the craziest thing, they're having a meltdown over... Their favorite shirt being dirty, um, and that's that's just a a random thing. But whatever it is, you've got to let them know that it matters to them, and that's okay. Um, what are some of the comments you know that they that these kids feel most often? Their parents blow them off, or downplay it, or marginalize it. Is there? Do you see a theme? Well, I think. Like, especially for girls, um, is with the whole friendship thing. Mm -hmm. You know, they, you know what they can go through in middle school with the whole friendship thing and, Mm -hmm. and where they're having issues with, with their friends and the parents, you know, get over it. Just get over it. They're not, you know, (laughs) we make the parents make them seem like it's just, this is not going to matter to you in 10 years. That is true. That is absolutely true. That this friendship that they're having issues with in the eighth grade is not going to matter in 10 years. But, they, it matters to them now. Yes. And as a teen, the thing that as an adult and a parent that we know is not going to matter in 10 years, they're not thinking about in 10 years. Mm -hmm. They're thinking about right now, like this is the, this, my life is ruined. My life is over. My life is, and that is a huge issue for them. So just help them walk through from friendships to peer pressure. Mm. Um, and, and peer pressure isn't always a friend coming to them saying, do this, do this, do this, and they're too weak to say no. The most common type of peer pressure is the internal pressure that they put on themselves. Mm. Do you think that's from the parents or do you think that's from just no, no, that no, no, no. child? I think, it's, okay. I, think it's from, I think it's from the culture and the media okay. where they feel like everybody else is doing this and because I'm not, I'm different. And so they put this pressure on themselves that they want to either fit in or be what society has made them believe is normal. And even though that may be different than what their parents' values are, what their values are, Mm -hmm. there's this huge pressure coming from the culture and from, you know, from society 
and and so the pressure, like even the kids that tell me that they've had sex, a lot of them will say, I did not want to be left out of the conversation. And mm. these are girls and guys. When my friends were talking about what they had done and what they were doing, or, you know, I didn't want to be left out of the conversation. So I felt like I had to do it so that I could have something to discuss when they're talking about this. That is a great point you brought up. Mm-hmm. It's so, so they, it, it is very different than when a lot of parents were coming along. Mm-hmm. Like social media wasn't out when many of their parents came along. There's the pressure from social media. Oh. And to to do the stuff that they see on social media, I mean, that's, that's just been a huge game changer yeah. for these kids as far as uh, peer pressure. Because now peers aren't necessarily people, the peer pressure that they're getting is the, the from the media, people that they don't even know. Mm-hmm. And, but they're, but they're seeing them um, on social media, the influencers and all of that. So it's just, a, they do have much more. They do. I think that they're contending with oftentimes than what their parents had to contend with. You know, I, I wrote a chapter in the book called Understanding Their World. And, and I, I have been involved with social media as from, you know, I kind of got into it early, you know, 2008, 2009, and I was using it to help businesses reach their audience. You know, that was back in the day where you were, it was new, you know, you're trying to craft a message and and build your influence and reach your people and all, and, and it's changed so much. And I see now the, the, um, depending on your child's personality, they can flourish or they can be crushed. And we see, you know, Jackie, at the time, you know, right now, as we're recording this, our nation is in a massive upheaval. It's, it's not just COVID. We have so much culturally going on. And the parents are trying to instill their values or help their kids understand what's going on. And everybody is trying to walk through this. And we talk about the power of social media. Uh, I mean, these People your kids don't even know can shame them and guilt them and, and push and prod and nudge and, and shut them down and, and chew them up and spit them out, or they can glorify them. And it's, it's, a, it's a, like a hurricane. It's not even a, a, a bunch of waves at a beach. This is, this is way bigger than that. Even as we are talking right now, Jackie, kids and parents are, are reeling. They're trying to figure out what side is up. And which way do I go and do I say something or not? The pressure on these kids to say just the right thing at just the right time. But are they allowed to think for themselves? When do they speak? it? And, and parents are doing the same thing. I think that this is an amazing opportunity for families, for parents. They've already been with their kids for months uh, with the ushering in of school closures and all these kids that were forced to homeschool uh, do school at home, which schooling at home is not the same as homeschooling. It's they're just two different things. Uh, right. One set is thrust into the middle of something with no advance notice, and the other they've been doing it for a while, so they already had their rhythm and routine, and not much happened. But for those kids that were in in public or private or charter schools, their world was flipped upside down. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that parents have to understand that this is what. I often hear kids are so resilient. Yeah. They're resilient. They'll get through this. They'll get through this. And I think sometimes because we, we, we've heard that so much that we really believe that they don't need the same level of checking in on them or yeah. let's discuss what just happened. 
And and parents don't understand of all times now the kids really need them more than ever. Yeah. And yeah. it's it's not the time for them to back away, but for them to lean in even more mm-hmm. to make sure they're okay. Because like you said, twenty twenty like has 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 just been crazy. I mean, we've we've heard of kids committing suicide <sighs> because a senior in high school from a very, you know, doing really well because his senior year did not end the way he wanted it to end. Oh, wow. And he took his life. And so, you you know, for these kids, sometimes we have not always taught them yeah. how to handle, like, the tough, to have the grit and to be able to handle stuff. So now something is something like this, and I, I don't want to say something is simple because this was huge. Yeah, this isn't simple. The whole, all of what's going on, there's nothing simple about it. Which would be the whole, don't marginalize it. You know, oh, we're going to get through this. Right. Um, that's not the right words to say. I mean, you, for you, that might be enough if somebody were talking to you. But depending on your child, that's just not going to cut the mustard. Not when graduations didn't happen, the prom that they were looking forward to didn't happen. They didn't get to have their spring sports. And maybe this was their senior year when they were going to finish out the senior year with its glory and then move on to college. I mean, there is there's like... So many layers. Listeners, I want you to write two things down that Jackie said. Uh, it's a great way to help your kids frame and and make, make something positive for them right now where they are. Uh, and because remember I said kids want to feel like they have a voice. They want to be heard. They want to be affirmed. They, they want to feel like they have some control. They don't pick their zip code. They don't pick their bedroom. They don't pick you know, so many aspects of their life. They don't really have a say. It's just, this is what we're doing and make the best of it. But Jackie, you said something I want, I want listeners to write down. And that is you're telling your child, you can decide what you're going to take away from this. And you said, I was able to, you know, something to help your kids think about what, what was I able to do with the time that I have? Um, and it doesn't, you know, Maybe it's not read a book every week, or maybe it's not, you know, start a new sport. Maybe it isn't right now, but there are very proactive things that you can intentionally be telling your kids right now that they have, they have a voice, um, they have feelings, they're processing all of this and encourage them to journal, just encourage them to journal and plant this seed of possibility. Let's see what God is going to do with this season of disruption. With every disruption always comes innovation. Always. We're winding down on time, Jackie. I'm just, thank you so much for giving uh, so much of your time for the Equipped to Be listeners. I know that they really appreciate it, but your book is Seven Secrets Guys Will Never Tell You, A Teen Girl's Guide on Love, Sex, and Relationship. And that also comes, uh, that has a DVD set and an e-course, right? Well, the book is independent. I have a, I have two DVDs for teens. One is the Sex Talk Every Teen Girl Needs to Hear. Okay. And the Sex Talk Every Teen Guy Needs to Hear. And then I have one for parents called the Sex Talk Every Parent Needs to Have. Okay. And, Where can they get uh, and then I have several e-courses. My website is JackieBruton.com, J-A-C-K-I-E-B-R-E-W-T-O-N. Okay. And um, everything is from the perspective of them choosing the best choice for their life, which is to the best time to have sex is when in a long-term committed, mutually monogamous relationship, which mm-hmm. in this country we happen to call marriage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I like the way you put that. Oh, very well stated. Um, Jackie, I listeners, uh, go to JackieBruton.com, check out all that she has. If you are, um, if you are involved in the school system or you are in homeschooling and you have a co-op and you want to, you know, you maybe want some tips and pointers on how to, you can touch, uh, touch on some of these subjects get Jackie's book, get her DVD, sit down, listen with your kids like that dad did with his, his daughter, engage in that conversation. If you don't, somebody else will. Let it be you having those conversations with your child. Not that they won't talk to other people because that is valuable too. But parents, you are the primary influence in your child's life. Don't ever forget that. Don't leave it up to somebody else. Um, there will be people like Jackie and, and, and myself, we provide resources to support and shore up you and your high calling of parenting and raising children. And Jackie, where can they find you online? Because you talked about your Instagram, but where are you? Um, I have a YouTube channel, and I have different playlists on my YouTube channel. One is specifically for parents, and then I have one for teens, one for young adults. So you can go and just go straight to the playlist. And um, I have a video that's out there that has been blowing up lately. It's got 200-something thousand views on it. And it is, this is what happens when you're too strict on your kids. Ooh. And it's the heart-wrenching letter that I read um, from a young lady about what she did because her parents were too strict. And that one has just, like I said, over 200,000 views on that one alone. But wow. I also have on my website a free ebook that parents can download called Seven Things Every Parent Needs to Know Before Having the Talk. So um, That's my fantastic. Instagram is Jackie... Is, is Jackie B Speaks, and everything on my Instagram is, is for teen girls. Okay. So I just do a lot of videos out there. But the YouTube channel is, and, and I do a blog. They can subscribe to my blog, but I send out weekly things that you need to know about what I'm learning about kids in the classroom. And that's all. They can sign up for that on my website at JackieBruton.com. But for parents, it's mainly the blog. I have a Facebook page, Jackie Bruton, CEO at Motivation in 3D. And then my YouTube channel is where they will find the most resources. Well, I just pray God continues to bless you as you uh, reach the hearts of these kids and you have, you know, you've earned their trust because you're there and you're listening and that what you're learning, you'll be able to share with parents so that they can be better parents to their children and that their relationships will be stronger and richer. And when they turn the tassel, you know, because these years, I mean, I have five kids and boy, did it go fast. Um, the days didn't. Sometimes I, I felt like the days took a year. <laughs> But, but you know, that I'm standing in the position of looking back going, man, that went by so quick. And I know, Jackie, you want as well as what I want. And that is when we turn the tassel and that child gra- graduates and either goes on to college or enters the marketplace, that our relationships are strong and those children want to be and do life with their family because they're a family unit and they're doing life together and not that, Hey, I have to go or mom will be mad or, um, but they want to come back and say, mom, what do you think about this? What, what you, I'm really trying to t- decide between this college or that college, or I'm, I'm trying to decide between, you know, this job or that job. See, they do grow up and they start asking different questions. So you're a sweet friend. I, I just adore what you're doing. And I'm, I just love your heart for families and for these kids. Thank you so much for being with us. Oh, thank you so much for asking me. I, um, anytime I have an opportunity to, to help parents, 
be better parents and help their kids make better decisions on all four. So thank you so much. All right, Jackie, thank you. Well, that wraps up this episode of Equipped to Be. If you enjoyed this show, please share it with a friend or family member and hit subscribe so you don't miss a show. And thank you again for joining me. Remember that we are equipped for every season of life.